All right, welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you in the wee hours of the morning on October 1st, 2022, from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And we all know what happened today, this past day, September 30th, the Russian-occupied Ukrainian oblasts of Donetsk and Luhansk, together constituting the Donbass region, as well as Kherson and Zaporizhia, were formally annexed by Russia after bogus military-controlled elections, which completely, unsurprisingly, went overwhelmingly for union with Russia. And in the ceremony in Moscow, Putin called the annexation, quote, an anti-colonial liberation movement against unipolar hegemony, end quote, and pledged that Russia will defend the annexed territories with all the forces and means at our disposal, quote, unquote, and of course, It is quite obvious what that is meant to imply. My God, the fucking hubris. An anti-colonial war as he annexes chunks of a former area of the Russian Empire? It's a colonial war, not an anti-colonial war. And more nuclear threats, of course. But what a lot of people haven't noticed, and I hardly think it's a coincidence, but a coded message, is that this annexation took place on the very same day, September 30th, that the Munich Agreement approved the Nazi annexation of Sudetenland in 1938, or the Munich Betrayal as it is known to the Czechs, negotiated by the great powers over the heads of the Czechs and Slovaks without their participation, and hailed by British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain as bringing peace for our time, quote-unquote, despite the fact that it is today seen as a critical step toward the most destructive war in human history. I'm going to very briefly read a couple of entries from the Encyclopedia of the Third Reich by Louis J. Snyder. For those of you who need to uh, brush up on your history a little, (laughs) Sudetenland, an area in Bohemia adjoining Germany that was awarded to Czechoslovakia by treaty between Austria and the Allies in 1919. The Sudetenland had formerly been Austrian territory, and some three million German-speaking people lived there. It contained rich mineral resources, as well as an important munitions factory in Pilsen. Two years after Hitler became chancellor, the Nazi Sudeten Deutsch Party, led by Konrad Heinlein, began an intensive campaign against the Czechoslovak government, 
which it accused of suppressing the German minority in the Sudetenland. After the Anschluss between Germany and Austria in March 1938, that is to say the annexation of Austria by Germany in March 1938, Heinlein and his followers increased their agitation. The Munich Agreement of September 1938 assigned the Sudetenland to Germany as part of the general settlement. Once again, assigned without the participation of the uh, government of Czechoslovakia. And the uh, entry for the Munich Agreement, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite lengthy, but I'm just going to read the uh, opening couple of sentences. Settlement of the crisis over Czechoslovakia reached on September 30th, 1938, in a conference in Munich. The ease with which Hitler had achieved Anschluss with Austria encouraged him to proceed with his plans against Czechoslovakia. Anschluss literally meaning union, but of course it was actually an annexation. Not a union of equals, but Austria being taken over and absorbed by Germany. And the Anschluss, or annexation of Austria, was legitimized, so to speak, with a bogus referendum after Germany had already carried out the annexation under threat of invasion in March 1938. The final entry I'm going to read, Anschluss ballot, a plebiscite on the union, quote-unquote, of Austria and Germany. It was held on April 10th, 1938. Voters were told to answer this question, quote, do you agree with the reunion of Austria with the German Reich carried out on March 13th? The Anschluss was accepted by an affirmative vote of 99.7%. And of course, the annexation of Austria and the Sudetenland, failed to appease Hitler. And in March of 1939, he occupied the rest of Czechoslovakia, and in September of 1939, invaded Poland, precipitating the Second World War. So, do you get the clear and obvious parallels here? Crimea, which was unilaterally annexed by Russia after a bogus referendum in 2014, with the same claims of, you know, historical ties to the region, linguistic ties, etc. That was Putin's Anschluss. And now, the Donbass, Kherson, and Zaporizhia constitute his Sudetenland. And if you think that ceding this territory to him, which in any case is a question for the Ukrainians and nobody else, and they show no signs of backing down, is going to de-escalate things or avoid world war for more than a few months, maybe. Well, I think that is diluted in the extreme. But even now, there are significant signs of hope on this very grim landscape. 
More than 2,000 people have been detained in protests across Russia since Putin announced a mobilization of military reserve troops to fight in Ukraine last week. These demonstrators are risking long prison terms under laws passed shortly after the Ukraine invasion was launched, which have facilitated a harsh crackdown on dissent. At least 20 were detained this past week in the North Caucasus Republic of Dagestan, where police fired in the air to disperse local villagers who were blocking a highway. But this failed to intimidate the protesters into submission, and the following day, the protest spread to the regional capital of Makachkala, where demonstrators shouting, No to war, were attacked by the riot police. Reports indicate that it is not only military reservists who are being called up and that a general conscription is actually underway in some areas. There are also reports of disproportionately high numbers called up in poor and restive regions populated by ethnic minorities, such as the North Caucasus. There has been a mass exodus of Russian youth, with tens of thousands lining up at the borders of Georgia, Kazakhstan, and Mongolia, countries which still allow Russians in without a visa. Unfortunately, Poland, Finland, and the Baltic states, like most of the rest of Europe, are barring entry to Russians, and we must urgently demand that they open their borders to all fleeing Putin's Russia. To give credit where it is due, Germany has offered asylum to any Russian defectors dissidents, or draft evaders. I want to make note of a petition issued jointly by War Resisters International, International Fellowship of Reconciliation, and the European Bureau for Conscientious Objection, calling on European Union leaders to extend protection and asylum for deserters and conscientious objectors to military service from Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine. I'm not too crazy about the equivalism of including Ukraine, but okay. I'm still glad they've issued this petition. You can check it out online at, just Google this up, Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, colon, protection and asylum for deserters and conscientious objectors to military service, quote-unquote. And what makes this so important is that it undermines not only Putin's war effort, but his very regime, his rule. I do not see any way at this point to keep this situation from escalating to the unthinkable while Vladimir Putin remains in power. The only exit that I can see, the only means of de-escalation is a popular uprising in Russia, with the support of the more rational elements of the military, if in fact there are any, and Putin's removal from power. It's regime change or Armageddon, and I am for regime change. Thank you very fucking much. And it's especially encouraging that Iran, Russia's regional ally, is also seeing a mass uprising that actually challenges the rule of the regime at this moment. And to my fellow lefties, I have this to say. If on 
pacifist or anti-imperialist grounds, you cannot bring yourself to support Western military aid to Ukraine. Well, I think that's a problematic position in these desperate circumstances, but okay, I do understand the impulse driving it, and I have some sympathy for it. But what's absolutely necessary is to be raising a voice in support of the Russian protesters and draft evaders and the uprising in Iran, and to unequivocally reject Putin's annexation of Ukrainian territory and oppose his massive war crimes and probable acts of genocide in Ukraine. And the call for the downfall of his regime, that is the starting point for any kind of legitimate position. And unfortunately, there is a lot of resistance to this. And while the tankies, that is the intransigently pro-Russian elements of the so-called American left, have been very quiet this week that uh, Russia has been doing things that are so blatantly criminal and indefensible. But there's a sense that they are just preparing their new talking points in defense of the Kremlin. Already today, the inevitable Aaron Mate tweeted that a Ukrainian journalist reporting on the Russian war crimes, Natalia Gumenyuk, received money from the National Endowment for Democracy, as if this completely delegitimizes anything she has to say. So funny to be hearing this from Aaron Mate, whose work is relentlessly amplified by Russian state media, RT, Sputnik, etc. As if Gumenyuk's NED ties cast doubt on the claims of Russian war crimes, which they do not, they've been amply documented, and as if it were a bad thing that some of our tax dollars are going to the worthwhile purpose of promoting a human rights reporter. Gee, perish the thought! And to counter such propaganda, I want to direct listeners to the Balkan Witness website, established by my friend and colleague Roger Lippmann, to repudiate pseudo-left revisionism concerning the conflict in the ex-Yugoslavia in the 1990s, which, by the way, shows very serious signs of reigniting at the moment, if you've been following the very unsettling headlines from Bosnia this week. And the Balkan Witness website has recently launched a new page entitled The Ukraine War, Misperceptions on the Left, which links to a great many articles and um, audio links correcting these misperceptions, a polite word, including some of my own work, I am honored to say. And Balkan Witness sees um, two problematic positions on the so-called left vis-a-vis the Ukraine war. A hard position, or as I call it, the tanky position of Aaron Mate and his ilk, and a soft position such as that of Noam Chomsky, which we have also critiqued here on the Counter Vortex. I'm going to read a little bit from the uh, Balkan Witness website. Leftist commentary that is unsupportive of Ukraine 
comes in two general categories. The hard position is that Russia is part of a global alliance against U.S. imperialism, and therefore it should be supported uncritically. This reflects the attitude that regional fascist movements are worthy of the left's support if they are anti-U.S., and Russia is a part of a global authoritarian neo-fascist movement. More prevalent is the soft position promoted by Noam Chomsky and others. Yes, the invasion is inexcusable, but the real problem is NATO. All of the emotional firepower is directed at the U.S. However, that nations might prefer NATO to Russia is a demonstration of how bad the Russian government is. While Germany was badly treated by the Treaty of Versailles, that was no excuse for Hitler's imperial expansionism. End quote. Once again from the page, The Ukraine War, colon, Misperceptions on the Left, from the Balkan Witness website. Do check it out. And this blame NATO expansion line is so absurdly one-sided, offering no acknowledgement of how Ukraine is surrounded on two sides, Russia to the east and Belarus to the north, by the Russian-led military alliance, the CSTO, Collective Security Treaty Organization. No acknowledgement of how Ukraine declared its permanent neutrality in 1991 and surrendered the nuclear weapons left on its territory to Russia under terms of the 1994 Budapest Memorandum in exchange for Russian pledges to respect its territory and sovereignty. No acknowledgement of Russia's serial acts of barbarity and aggression in the ensuing years from Chechnya to Georgia to Syria, and finally to Crimea, which was illegally occupied and annexed, violating the terms of the Budapest Memorandum, which is what finally prompted Ukraine to abandon its position of neutrality and seek NATO membership. These are points that we've made over and over, including in our podcast of August 12th, Ukraine, debunking Russia's war propaganda. And that radio rant, as it were, um, also appears as text on the uh, Counter Vortex website now. You can just go to uh, the front page, countervortex.org, and you will see it. Just scroll down a little bit. Ukraine debunking Russia's war propaganda. Where these pro-Putin talking points are, I dare say, deftly demolished. Please read it and share it. This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org. Support us on Patreon. We really need your help to keep going. Patreon.com slash countervortex. Just a buck or two per weekly podcast will make a huge difference in our ability to maintain this project. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance and rant on you next time.
if we haven't been nuked by then.